Okay, so um, my name's Rebecca. As uh, Rachel and Sue said, I'm a member of the staff at City Hope and also on the preaching team. And today I'm starting a new series, a series of three sermons from um, a letter in the New Testament in the Bible, a letter written by the Apostle John. So uh, it's a passage you see in your notice sheet. It's a passage that spans about 10 or 11 verses in 1 John chapter 2. I'm starting off today talking about love um, in the church. Uh, next week, Paul Brown has got the next part in the, in the uh, passage. I'm not quite sure what that's about, to be honest, Paul. He's not really either. Look at it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and then the third week, in a couple of weeks' time, Chris Nicholson will be here finishing up the series talking about our love and loving the right things, loving God and not the world. So that's where we're going. I'm starting today, um, and the passage is uh, from 1 John chapter 2. If you've got a, a Bible or a device that you're following it on, I will have the passage up for you in a minute. So uh, I said the Apostle John, uh, this guy was one of the 12 uh, friends, disciples that Jesus chose. When Jesus was on the earth, he called 12 men to travel with him and work with him and minister with him and be his circle. And John was one of those. Uh, he was also, um, if you like, one of the slightly more inner circle. It would seem he was one of the closer friends of Jesus. And you might say, and there's arguably evidence in the Gospels, that he was Jesus' closest friend on the earth. Um, and they were obviously very close. The Apostle John is not only an eyewitness, we often use that word uh, uh, looking at the Bible, but he was a close friend of the Lord Jesus when he was on the earth. So, sorry? What an amazing position. What an amazing position, indeed, indeed. So, so the, this guy we're looking at today, he wrote a gospel. So if you know in the, in the New Testament, there are four gospels, um, accounts of Jesus's life written down by eyewitnesses, by men who were there, apostles. So John wrote one of those, and he also then writes three letters. And we're looking at the first of those today. Um, now, interestingly, John... Uh, if you go and read John's Gospel and John's letters, you'll find themes coming out. And I guess that's normal. If we uh, write about things or, or give feedback about an event or if we write letters to people, we tend to probably, you know, um, common themes will come out in the way we think and the things that we communicate. And today's passage is about love and it's about light. And they are things you will find a lot in the writings of John. If you don't believe me, go home and read them and you'll see those things weaving through his thinking a lot of the time. Okay, so let's um, get into the passage. Sorry, that's a bit small. I uh, hope you've got your glasses. Luckily, I can see it without mine. Okay, this is from the New International Translation of the Bible. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So, as I said, it's about light and love. Of course, it's also about darkness and hate as the opposites of those things, and we're going to look at that and what that means. Now, as I said, John talks a lot about love um, in his writings, and his, the Gospel of John um, is, I don't know how many times it's mentioned, I didn't do my research, but a lot. And there are lots of passages in the Bible that tell us to love, to love God, to not love the world. 
um, to love one another and to love our neighbours. And this, uh, as we'll see as we get into it, is particularly about loving one another in this context. It talks about brothers and sisters. And what the Bible means when it uses that term in the, in the New Testament is, is the family of believers, us, the church. Not just us in this room, but the church globally, broadly. So believers are known, called brothers and sisters uh, in the New Testament. So that's wh- what that's about. Um, just, we're just going to tackle the first couple of verses first because they're a bit weird. Um, it sounds a bit, it, it, it's a bit like John, to be honest. He can be a little bit rambling at times. And, and he says, I'm not writing you a new commandment. It's an old one. And then he says, oh, but it is a new one. And you think, well, hold on a minute. That's really helpful to the preacher. Um, so let's just look at the command he's talking about. Just got some verses here. Uh, these verses are all from written down by John in his gospel, but they're all the words of Jesus. So John's written this down, remembering what Jesus has said. And John was there, hearing these words come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. So right at the end of his life, Jesus is with his friends, his followers, and he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Again, a bit later on, um, my command is this, Jesus says, Love each other as I have loved you. And again, a bit later on in the same chapter, this is my command, love each other. That's the command that John is saying. It's not new. What he's saying is he's writing a letter. And interestingly, this letter, the first letter of John, it's not addressed to a particular church or a particular person. So it's more like a circular letter, something that's written down by John and sent around the churches. It's not to anyone specific. It's John seeing things in the churches that he wants to address, things that they need encouragement in, and they're like us. So this letter is a great letter for us. (coughs) There's so much to learn. It's a letter to the church widely. Um, And so this is the command that he's given us. Love one another. And he's remembering back to the words of Jesus. Okay, so it's not new, it's old. He's saying, come on guys, you've heard this before. Remember, Jesus gave us this command. It's not new, it's, it's instituted, it's central to the gospel message that you've heard. He said it's the message you have heard, it's not new. Okay, Jesus gave us this command. And interestingly, at this point, John's writing this letter. It's probably certainly up to about 60 years after Jesus said these words. So it isn't, it isn't new, it is old, it, it, it's foundational to the gospel. And yet, John says, but it's new. And I think the, the way I see that, I think every week we stand up here, somebody stands up here, takes words from the Bible, which are not new, they're old, and brings them. For, they're for today, they're new, they're always new. It's an old command, but it's always new. It's always fresh. So today, in 2016 in London, we need telling. Come on, guys, love one another. It's new for us. It's always fresh. It's old, but it's always new. And so that's why I think John says that. And of course, he refers as well to the light. Its truth is seen in him. The darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Now, light refers to... um, Jesus, being in the light, refers to being in Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself said, didn't he, I'm the light of the world. He's the light. So this command is to do with loving one another as believers. And just a few scriptures, just to give a bit of background, really, of why this is important. So in 1 John, same letter a bit later on, 
John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. That's quite a well-known phrase, probably because lots of us sung it in a hymn at primary school um, and secondary school, maybe. But John's the only person, it's the only place in the Bible that actually says that. John says, God is love. Therefore, we love one another. So that's one reason God is love. It's natural, it's right for us to love. Secondly, um, Jesus says in, in John's Gospel, he writes this, By this everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. So it's how other people see God in us. It's our love for one another, it's powerful. People will see it and they go, that's different. There's something different about those guys and the way they are together. And Jesus himself says, this is how people will know. And then immediately before the passage that I read, so in in 1 John, John says, whoever claims to live in him, that's to live in Christ, must live as Jesus did. There's a better reason than any to, to pursue this teaching, to, to love one another. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. It's what John writes. I didn't write it. Sounds quite, oh, really? Live like Jesus? How can we do that? John wrote it to the church. So God is love. It's how other people see God see that he's real, is our love for one another. And if we live in him, it's right. I like the word fitting. It's fitting for us. It fits us to behave in this way because um, we claim to live in Jesus and we do. Now, I, I want to do something slightly different now and put the brakes a bit on a bit for this passage and just look at something else quickly because um, I think it will really help us. I hope it will help us, some of us in the room certainly. So bear with me, because it is a bit, I'm going off track a little bit, but hopefully it will help us. And I want to just give an analogy um, about what it means to be a Christian. uh, Because I think until we get these things straight, we can't really embrace this teaching, um, which is hard at times. So I I wanted to make it simple, so I thought, think of something, an analogy that we all know, we all understand, and that's water. And uh, I've got a little bit up here. My children seem to have drunk most of it. So um, It's water. So if you ask someone what's water, most people will have an answer for you. They might say, it's an oxygen atom wearing headphones. No, it's an, it looks a bit like that. It's an oxi- one oxygen atom and two hydrogen atoms. That makes a water molecule, H2O. That's the formula. That's correct. That is what water is. It's the definition, if you like, in the most technical sense or you might answer the question, what is water, with, this is a picture, if you can't see it very well, it's a bit bright today, isn't it? Um, there's a picture of irrigation, so, so water spraying over a field. You might answer the question, what is water, with the answer, well, it's a clear liquid, um, it, it, we, it fills our rivers and lakes and seas, it comes out of the sky as rain. Um, when a van drives past a puddle, it gets you covered in uh, mud. Uh, it, we drink it, we wash in it, all organisms on the earth need it, they're full of it. Um, it's the most refreshing thing when you're really thirsty, um, with the possible exception of Orangina. It's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a family joke, that is. Um, that's water, and it's a correct answer. But the reason I, I'm drawing the analogy is to say, when it comes to being a believer, or brothers and sisters, as, as John calls us, it's vital that we don't get muddled up in our thinking about the definition 
of a believer and then the description, the things that, that define a, a believer in terms of what they look like and what they do. And this morning in the worship, the reason I decided to go with this was in the worship this morning, there's lots of talk, there's lots of a sense of God um, coming through and, and highlighting and saying, it's you and it's you, I'm calling you. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, a, a disciple or a believer? And uh, so I just quickly want to make sure we know that what John is not saying is, if you love one another, if you act and behave in a certain way that looks like you're in the light, that makes you acceptable to God and it makes you a brother or sister, a believer. It's not what John is saying. And we, the reason we know that is if you go away and read your uh, New Testaments, um, if you've got time, read the entire Bible, and that will give you an even better view, is that the only thing that makes us acceptable, the only thing that makes us acceptable to God is knowing Jesus. The Bible's so, so clear. When we know the acceptance of the Father because of faith in Jesus and we have his Holy Spirit with us, then we become children of God. We read this brilliant verse in our Connect group the other week from John 1. It says, it's John again. I love John. He says, that's not John Wood, although I do love John Wood. He's in my Connect group as well. And we read this verse together. I'm sorry? It's mutual. Thank you, John. Connect groups are great things, by the way. If you're not in one, get in one. We read this verse. It said, to all who received Jesus, who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. The right. That word there means the same word as authority and power. Receiving Jesus, believing in him. He died so we don't have to be punished for our wrongdoing. He made the way for us to be acceptable to God. It's the only way. The Bible is very clear. But once we are children of God, once we have received that incredible right and privilege to be called children of God, then all of this teaching in the New Testament, how we should then live. What does it look like to be a believer? What's fitting for us to put on? What, what are the things that are not fitting that we should put off? All of those things make sense in the light of the fact that we are already accepted children of God. They do not earn us acceptance with the Father. And you may say, we know that. <laughs> we know, lots of us, we know that. I say, you do know it. But unless we remember it unless we keep this gospel at the center of everything. I've known so many Christians whose faith is sort of hijacked and such hard work because they have not grasped the fundamental truth that your behavior will not earn you acceptance with God. Faith in Christ can do that for you. And once you are a believer and once you have his Holy Spirit, you then can walk in a way that is fitting. When I say walk, I mean live. I don't mean walk. I mean live in a way that's fitting us for children of God for what we might call, with today's passage, children of the light. Okay, so we've done that. Thanks for bearing with me. But this is interesting, isn't it, then? Because then the passage gets a little bit sticky. Um, and we start talking about hate and darkness. And some of us want to switch off and go, yep, it's not me. I don't hate anybody here. I mean, so-and-so really gets on my nerves, but I don't really hate anybody. How, you know, why is John suddenly talking about hate and darkness in the context of, of believers, of brothers and sisters. Um, and that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm hoping none of us um, can relate to that. But I think it's helpful then, if we want to get into this, and we need to, because it's 
John's written it for the benefit of us, the church, is to say, well, if he's talking of darkness and hate on one side and love and light on the other side, and the implication is that we should live as children of light, that's a really nice phrase, actually, the Apostle Paul uses, you're children of light, as followers of Jesus, then maybe we should look at how our love is looking for one another. Maybe we should look at the things that love should look like. I'll read that passage again that's up. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the dark. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So what does love look like? You know this passage, many of you. I've skipped from the Apostle John to the Apostle Paul here. His letter to the Corinthians. You'll know this. Listen, listen to it though. It's a beautiful description of what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So that's what love looks like. And John is saying, come on guys, we're children of the light. We must love one another. That's what it looks like. And if you, like me, are going, whoa, that standard is so high. It's like, yes, it is high because it's God's standards. And if we claim to be in him, we should walk like him. And we're all there thinking, but what about this and what about that and how about how I feel about so-and-so? And that's fine, we're going to come to that. But it's good, isn't it, to, me- to look at that standard and think, wow, that's what love looks like. And the other thing to ask ourselves, I suppose, is what love, as well as what love looks like, is who are our brother and sister? It's not the same question that Jesus is asked, who is my neighbour? That's a sermon for another day. Who are brothers and sisters? Well, I think if you're a, a Christian, if you're a believer and a member of this church, or even if you're a believer and you're not a member of this church, you've never gone through the joining the church process, you are still brothers and sisters together in this room and all, the, all our friends who are not here. And in every other church you will find out there meeting right now, in every church that doesn't look and think like ours necessarily, but are believers in Jesus across the world. The church is broad, isn't it? It's wide, it's global, it's not just the way we do things, that is church. And so John is saying, you know, and I think that's a, I think actually it's a good thing for us to think about. How's our love looking for people who don't necessarily think like us or do things like us in church, other churches? Find ourselves dishonoring others sometimes who don't think like we do. The breadth of the Christian church is worth thinking about. And maybe slightly more pertinently today here at City Hope Church, ask ourselves that question how's our love looking for one another this is a great church I've been here for uh, a long long time 20 odd years (laughs) it's a great church there's so much love there's so much um, that honors Jesus as we honor one another there really is making me fill up a bit Um, there's so much of that in this church but our standard is, is, is God and there's so much more and so much benefit for us to gain from it And when we talk about darkness, I think a really helpful way to look at this is to think about some of the things, actually, 
we do allow to creep into our attitudes and our words, particularly with one another, that, that actually things that live in the dark, not in the light. Um, and um, just felt as I was preparing this, and I was reading in the week about this as well, so about gossip, not a very nice word actually, I don't really like the word, and um, sometimes we think that means spreading lies about people, uh, it, and I don't think it does, does it? It means just talking about one another with poor motivation, with the wrong motivation. Um, and it's a world that loves to do that, that we live in. But do you know, we're not supposed to look like it looks like out there. We're a community of light, we're children of light. And therefore, people are meant to look and say, oh well, they love one another. And where are those things that live in the dark, like gossip, like resentment, like, you know, bad-mouthing somebody because they don't think like you. Those things should be consigned to the darkness, and we're going to pray at the end to consign some of those things to the dark where we need to repent and turn back to the light. And I love this image of stumbling around in the dark that John uses. And I sort of had this idea of maybe getting Paul Brown to put a blindfold on and go and find something and, you know, be stumbling around and we'd all be laughing at him. Um, <laughs> but actually, there's another um, analogy that I came up with, and it's this. On our family holidays, it's always good for the preacher to bring in a little bit of, um, you know, personal stuff, isn't it? Because it gives you a chance to have a good laugh at us uh, and keeps it interesting. So I thought this is a good analogy, actually. On our family holidays, we, we quite often, not always, but we've over the years been to France quite a lot, and we really love going to France. Um, but we've, we've developed a tradition, which is every year, or most of those years, we build in a little episode where we drive around some hideous, wasted industrial estate outside a French town looking for a cheap hotel that we've booked but we can't find. It's become a bit of a family tradition. Um, I'm hoping it might be consigned to the past. but So we've done this a few times. I remember texting my sister in France a couple of years ago, and we just found this place, and this, and she goes, I remember crying once when we were looking for something, because my sister and her husband do exactly the same thing, although they're normally looking for campsites. So we're driving around, and of course the thing I was thinking about is the thing that makes it worse is it's usually dark. So we've booked a stopover, you know, some cheap hotel, because it's only to stop for the night, and then we'll carry on with our journey. Um, and we're usually looking for it in the dark, which means you can't see the place, you can't see the road signs very well, you can't see the map very well, you can't see the growing frustration on the faces of your family very well. Not that I'm usually driving in that co context, but it, you're in the dark, literally stumbling around looking for this place, and when you get there, it's pretty awful, to be honest. So. In fact, last time I said, we are not doing this again. <laughs> Just remember that. Um, so the thing that made me think is the thing we love about light is not light itself, is it? You don't turn a light on to go, oh, look at the light, isn't it lovely? You turn a light on because of what it does, because what light brings. You're not stumbling around trying to find something. You know, if you get up to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you don't put the light on because you don't want to disturb anybody, for those of you who live with other people, particularly if you've got kids, you then tread on that little plastic toy. It's either a bit of Lego, isn't it, or it's a, some really sharp thing. And I wish I'd put the light on. You're stumbling around in the dark. Light is so much better. And that's the analogy. You're stumbling around in the dark. You don't really know where you're going. And if we've got things in our lives that should that live in the dark, really, we may not say we hate one another, but where our standard is God's love and is his light, when we fall short and, and don't honour one another, 
then we're, we're dabbling in the dark, if you like. And we would, I just would love us that later just to pray and God is going to just speak to us about some of those things. I'm sure I've got things I need to confess and repent of before God. And we're going to move on and just keep going because as we said at the beginning, it's a new command every day. Every day it's to get up, we, it's a new command. The gospel is new every day. God's mercies are new every day. God's forgiveness is new every day. And he wants a community of light that honours him. There's a, um, there's a great verse that the Apostle Paul writes. There's a lo- lovely chapter in the um, letter to the Romans, chapter 12. And there's lots of things in that. Go away and read it if you can. Again, lots of things. This is what it looks like to be a believer. And this is what it looks like to be a believer in community. These are things. And one phrase I just love. He says, outdo one another in showing honour. Now out there in the world, I think a lot of the time, you you know, we're told not to be self-seeking. We're told as believers we shouldn't be um, looking for our own benefit over at the expense of others. Now in the world that happens all the time, doesn't it? It's got to get ahead. You've got to get ahead. Um, You've got to look after number one. Even people that you think you know, generally you maybe have lots of ideas in common, you may share a lot of things with, they quite often have that attitude, you've got to look out for number one. Outdo one another in kind of just getting ahead. Paul says, outdo one another in showing honour. Such a challenge, isn't it? Such a, such a standard. What a great uh, aim to have. Something I want to aim for, to outdo one another. I want to outdo you in showing honour. You show honour, I'm going to show honour more. Not that we compete with one another, but that we are looking always to be showing love and to be honouring God. Brothers and sisters, I love that. You know, sometimes when we say that from the pulpit, it sounds a little bit Pentecostal, and it's maybe not our style, but the New Testament is full of that family language. We are family, brothers and sisters together. That's who we are. That's who we are. So brothers and sisters, let us love one another. It is fitting as children of light, to live uh, as those in the light. Now for people who uh, heard what I said earlier about the water analogy, that the only way to, be, to know God and to know that acceptance of God is through putting our faith in Jesus Christ, in what he's done for us. And like we heard earlier, although he's the God of the heavens and the earth, although he's the one true almighty God who has always existed, he knows your name. We heard that earlier, didn't we? He's calling us all by name. And if you think, well, I don't know really what you're talking about. I don't really know this love of God. I don't really know that light. I don't really feel I've experienced the light of God or his love. I don't really feel that I'm accepted. It might even be you've been in church for a long time. You don't really know the acceptance of God you're trying to work to be accepted and to earn his love. You can't do it, folks. Just stop right there. You, can't, you cannot do it. The only way, Jesus said, didn't he? The only way to the Father is through Jesus. So you may want to come for the first time genuinely to the light, to Jesus, and say, do you know what? I can't do any more. I just want to put myself in your hands, God. I come to the light and... When Christina stood up here with the little baby a little bit earlier and she said, God had said something to her about stop doing things your way. And she said, well, I'm just going to do it God's way. That's a great picture, actually, of becoming a Christian. Because although Jesus has done everything to make us acceptable to the Father, 
what we do is we give everything. We put everything else down. We put down our own preferences, desires, our will, our rights. We say, actually, I can't do it. Actually, living my way is no good. I'm going to put it all down. I'm going to live Jesus' way. I'm going to trust you, God, and follow you. That's what it means. That's the, if you like, that's the H2O. That's the, that's the definition of a believer. And so for those people, we're going to pray in a minute, uh, and you may want to just pray where you are. If you came with somebody, talk to them, get them to pray with you. When we finish in a few minutes, there'll be some people at the front here praying uh, for, for whatever, and anyone, whoever wants to come for prayer is very welcome. But if that's you and you think, actually, I know I'm not genuinely a believer and I, I want to know the light and the love of God, please do come and speak to us and we can chat to you and pray with you. And also for the rest of us, let's just take the command as a new command today. A new command, love one another, Jesus said. Can we just stand to our feet? I'm just going to pray. Jesus, thank you that not only did you give that command to your followers and to us, your followers today, to love one another, but you showed the way, you manifested, you displayed to the world the love of the Father. You came, you reached out to people who had no hope for any other reason and you touched them, you were kind, you showed what love is, patient and kind, always hoping, not dishonouring. Thank you, Jesus. The ultimate display of the Father's love was the cross where you, Lord Jesus, gave your life so we could be free. You, you, you died so we would know life. Lord, you were nailed to a cross so we could be free. Lord, it's only as we come to you and say, Jesus, that's it. I just trust you. I receive you. I believe in you and be happily become a child of God. Thank you for the many in this room that have done that. And we pray, Lord, for those that are hearing you call them today. Speak to them, Lord. Pour out your love and your light on them now, Holy Spirit. There'll be a transformation. Lord, I thank you. The transformation comes when we meet you. And then out of that, we have the power and the will to live as Jesus did. And Father, I pray for us <coughs> as City Hope Church, brothers and sisters here together. I pray for us. Lord, fill us with your love. We come now, we... John tells us that when we confess our sins, you, Lord, are faithful and just. You forgive us and cleanse us. So we come now, Lord, and we confess the ways in which we've dishonoured others and, uh, and therefore dishonoured you. Lord, where there have been things that we've harboured in the dark, yeah. things that we've said or thought about one another, ways in which we've not understood one another or not born with one another, Lord, we confess those things and we say, Father, forgive us. We just step now into a new day and the command is fresh again. We come to you and we say, fill us with your love that we might love one another and be that community of light. We come now to you, the light 
and we put aside and put behind all darkness, all things of darkness that would get in the way of you being honoured, Lord, of you being worshipped in this community. And we say thank you, thank you, God, thank you for the gospel, thank you for forgiveness, thank you for acceptance through Jesus. Thank you that nothing can change that. Thank you, God, that we are not um, on some kind of performance-related reward scheme. We do not behave to impress you. We, we walk in a way to please you because we're children of light and it's fitting to do so. And we commit ourselves again to do that, Lord, to put you first and to love one another as we go about uh, our lives together. We do thank you, Lord. Um, as Bex was talking, um, I felt God really speak to me about um, the idea of holy cows. I don't know if people are familiar with that. It's a Hindu um, thing where the cow is a sacred animal and you don't kill cows in um, vast parts of India. And they're held very precious um, by the population. And as she was talking, I felt like um, for some people you hold quite... Uh, certain things as your holy cow and that gets in the way of you loving people. So, for example, it might be, um, I don't know, a, a, a thing that you think about a lot. So it might be politics, for example. You might be very political. Um, it might be something like feminism. It might be something like the class that you've grown up in and where you feel at home. It might be a style-related thing. There are all sorts of things that we hold precious and we hold as being who we are, an essential part of who we are. And sometimes that can get in the way of us actually accepting other people um, who don't hold the same beliefs as ourselves. And I felt like it was important for us to think about what our holy cows are, what our sacred cows are, and to be prepared to sacrifice them um, so that we can love each other. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. That's really helpful. Great. Okay, well, what I say is go and love one another, City Hope Church. It's time to collect the kids. Tea and coffee served over here. Please do come for prayer for any of those things or anything else. Thank you.